Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Today we're going to do part two of enlarging our capacity of reception. Enlarging our capacity of reception and we're going to look at the nature of God. Before we do that, we're going to read two verses from Isaiah chapter 54, verses 2 and 3. Isaiah 54 verse 2 and 3, reading from the New King James Version. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. So, in this series, as you well know, we are learning how to enlarge our capacity of reception, or in other words, learning how to receive from God His highest and best. We have mentioned the fact that God has always been the giver and man the receiver of God's unconditional love and blessing. We've also mentioned that learning how to receive from God is a skill which is developed through knowledge and practice. The Apostle Peter says our ability to receive from God is multiplied through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Look at with me please 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 2 and let's read what Peter said concerning this uh, knowledge that we're talking about. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 2 he says grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of god and of jesus our lord we see here that it is through the knowledge of god and the knowledge of jesus our lord that our ability to receive is multiplied or enlarged in our previous lesson, we've learned three very important principles in how we can increase our capacity of reception. And let me remind you very quickly once again what these principles are. The first one was thanksgiving. Thanksgiving brings us into the presence of God, puts our focus on God, and increases our ability to receive. 
We've read scriptures in regard to always being thankful in every situation, for this is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. The second principle we covered was meditation in the Word. The more time we spent in the Word, not just reading it, not just hearing it, but taking quantity and quality time to meditate in the Word of God. And the third principle was being a doer of the Word. Practice the Word. Walk in the light that you have received, both of the written Word as well as the spoken Word by the Spirit. Today we will focus on another valuable principle, which I believe forms the foundation of our receiving from God, and that is understanding the true nature of God. So if you're taking notes, you may want to put in your notes, the fourth principle is understanding the true nature of God. One of the things we need to correct, especially in our way of thinking, before we are able to receive from God, is the way we view God, the way we see Him, the way we imagine Him to be. Why do I say that? Because the way we see God determines not only how we're going to relate to Him, but also what we're going to receive from Him. If our knowledge of God is false or untrue, it will hinder our ability to receive anything from God. For example, if we see God as a hard taskmaster, one who is difficult to please, one who demands perfection through our own efforts, or as one who stands ready to punish us according to our sins, we are not going to receive much from God. That kind of perception or the way we view God produces fear and torment. Again, if we see Him as one who would reward us according to our performance or behavior and not according to His grace, we will end up wearing ourselves out trying to earn His favor. It's very important for us to understand that God deals with us on the basis of grace and not on the basis of our performance. So I repeat, the way you see God determines how you will relate to Him and what you will receive from Him. And let me give you an example from the Scriptures in order to prove that what I'm saying to you is scriptural. Jesus is teaching in this parable the principle of stewardship. So turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to read a number of verses here, beginning with verse 14. Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 14. I will give you a couple of seconds until you find it, and you will read it also from your own Bible. Matthew 25, 
beginning with verse 14, the parable of the steward, of stewardship. For the kingdom of God is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug it in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents, and look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to anyone who has, more will be given, <clears throat> Excuse me, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What I want you to notice from this parable is what the unprofitable servant said to his master. He said, I knew you to be a hard man. That very statement he made revealed how he saw his master. He had the wrong perception of his master, and because of that wrong perception, he was filled with fear, which of course that fear caused him to hide his talent in the ground. You see, the other two who traded with the talents never said anything. They, they had a good relationship with their master. They went out without fear. They took risks. They went out with confidence. And they traded their talents. But the one who had the wrong perception, 
He was filled with fear and fear will always lead us to failure rather than success. But what was the cause of his failure? It was the fear that he had and that fear came as a result of the wrong perception. It is the same with us. Un unless we have a true revelation or a correct knowledge of God, of His loving kindness and of His goodness, we will not be able to function in life with confidence and free from fear. Many in the house of God, even today, are filled with fear and stress. And the root cause for that fear is because they don't really know how much God loves them. The Bible says that the love of God casts out fear. Once you are fully convinced that God loves you more than anything else, and His love is not based on your performance, His love is unconditional. He loves you when you're good. He loves you when you're bad. He loves you when you fall. He always loves you, and His love never changes towards you. And once you experience that love, all manner of fear will leave your heart. The more we are developed in the knowledge of the love of God, the more confident, the more courageous and bold we become. And that's the secret. Now, you know, they might be born again. There's a lot of born-again people that continue to live with fear because they have not developed in the love of God. But the knowledge of God and the perception of Him could be wrong. That is why I say that one of the first things that we need to correct is the way we view God. Unless we know God as a loving Father who loves us unconditionally, our faith will be hindered because faith works by love. The foundation of our faith in God is the knowledge that God loves me. Amen? Are you with me so far? Praise God. You know, that's why I say you might be born again. You might have been born again for years. But unless you know God as a merciful God, as a gracious God, one who is full of compassion towards you and deals with you according to His grace and mercy and not according to your performance or lack of it, then once we have that knowledge, we are able, our hearts are opened up to receive from God the very best He has for us. Let me remind you of what the Spirit said to me a couple of weeks ago while in prayer. He said that if we really knew deep down in our hearts and are fully convinced how much God loves us, how much He values us, how much He cares for us, we would never again have a bad day. We would never again have a fearful or a stressful day about our future. Because the very knowledge that God loves me makes me, how can I put it, bold as a lion. 
makes me confident to live my life without fear. Amen? And without the fear of punishment and without the fear of torment. The Bible says, as I've mentioned to you, that our faith works by love. The knowledge of how much God loves you. Unless we believe that from our heart, not just from our head, and receive His love, our faith will not work. So our vision of God needs to be restored according to the Scriptures, according to the Word of God. The root cause, I believe, of all our struggles in receiving from God in any given area of life is because we have not seen or understood God in that particular area of our lives. For example, if we struggle with lack, insufficiency, is because we have a poverty mentality. As a man thinketh in his heart, the Bible says, so is he. In other words, we think poor, we think lack, we think insufficiency. And yet in the kingdom of God, there is no restriction. There is no lack. There is always abundance. So if we struggle in that area is because we have not seen or received a revelation of God as our provider, our heavenly father. We have not seen him as our faithful provider, as one who delights and takes pleasure in the prosperity of his people. That's what the Bible says. God delights when his people prosper. So the same thing in the area of our healing. If we struggle to receive our healing, and it's difficult for us to receive, it's because we have not taken enough time in the word that promises healing to see God as he is, who is our healer. Amen. And this is, this is the truth. The way you view God is, 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 depends what you're going to receive from him. And many of us, almost all of us who are born again, have experienced and seen God as our Savior. In other words, He saved us from our sins, delivered us from the power of darkness, and brought us into the family of God, into the kingdom of God. The Bible says He has accepted us in the Beloved. We've seen Him as our Savior. We believed Him as the Savior of our souls. But there's much more than getting born again. Amen. And so we need to see God in every area of our lives as He truly is. And so that takes study, that takes uh, revelation knowledge that we receive from the Word of God. Another major reason folks struggle to receive from God, and this is, I believe, number five, is a legalistic mindset. Let me explain what a legalistic way of thinking is. This mindset is rooted in a belief system that is based on self-effort and works rather than grace. What do I mean by that? 
This belief system says the more you perform, the more God loves you. Or you earn the love of God through your performance, through your works. A legalist is one who trusts in his own efforts or his own works to release the blessing rather than trusting in the finished work of Christ. It's the opposite of grace. It's like the Pharisee who went into the temple and he prayed and he said, thank you God that I'm not like the other sinners, like the sinner over there. I fast twice a week. I give tithe of all my possessions and on and on and on he went. That man was trusting in his own works rather than in the mercy and the grace of God. This mindset puts the believer under the bondage of law, and the law is not of grace. Instead of walking in the blessing, when we have a legalistic mindset, we put ourselves back under the law and back under the curse. And the Bible says no man can be justified by his own efforts or by his own works. If we view God, Listen carefully. If you believe that God moves on your behalf because of what you do rather than because of what He did, then we miss the whole truth of the gospel. This is what religion teaches. Religion says that in order for us to be loved by God, we have to keep certain rules, regulations, certain code of conduct and abide by those regulations. Example, if I pray more, God will love me more. If I read my Bible more, or if I go to church regularly and pay my tithes, etc., God will move because of what I do. Now that is a legalistic mindset. This kind of thinking will end up wearing you out and it will rob us of the joy of the Lord. And this is what religion does to people. It teaches them salvation and blessing by works and not by grace through faith. And, and we, some, somewhere along the road, we need to come to a clear understanding. God has already moved on your behalf. On my behalf, God has already blessed us based on what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross. He has already done it. For it is by grace that you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. So this mindset that says I can earn the blessing, I can earn points with God the more I the more I perform, the more I do, is an abomination in the eyes of God because it nullifies the grace of God. And not only that, it ignores what Christ has accomplished for us on the cross. And this is a classic example of what happened to the Galatian believers. They set aside the grace of God and they went back to the works of the law. They sought justification not by faith, but by the works, and they ended up 
abandoning the grace of God. Paul had some very harsh words to say to them. Look at Galatians chapter 3 verses 1 through 3. Galatians 3 verses 1 through 3. These Galatian believers, they began well. They started well, but they didn't end well. And Paul says to them, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you or cast a spell on you that you should not obey the truth? before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? These believers began to listen to another gospel some Jewish uh, believers came into the midst and they told them that unless you do this, unless you circumcised, unless you keep the Sabbath, unless you do this and this and this, you cannot be saved. So they perverted the gospel, the one from being the gospel of grace to the gospel of works. And that is why that caused the believers because they opened up their hearts to that. To these men, they went back in their faith and they nullified the grace of God. We need to stand fast in the truths of the gospel and not be moved away from them. Listen, this is the gospel. That God has already moved on our behalf because of his mercy and grace and he has provided salvation and righteousness to all who believe without the works of the law. God in his mercy has justified us through faith, not in ourselves and our own efforts, but in the finished work of Christ, which he accomplished for us on the cross. The blessing and the favor of God can never be earned. No one is good enough to earn the blessing of the Lord. It is a free gift given to all who believe. For by grace you have been saved through faith, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. So, bottom line, we're not trying to earn the blessing through our efforts. We are already blessed. God has already blessed us and given us all things, the Bible says, that pertain to life and godliness. He did that 2,000 years ago when Christ went to the cross. Now, all we need to do is receive that blessing by faith. Now, listen carefully to what I'm going to say. The works that God wants from us, the works that he looks for, are the works of faith and trust in him. Living faith, James says, has works. Otherwise, it's a dead faith. Living faith has corresponding actions which constitute our positive response to what God has already done for us. Let me give you an example. I... If I read my Bible and pray regularly, 
and I love to do that. It's because I desire to know God more intimately and not to earn His favor. I already have His favor. If I never miss church, and the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It's because I love God and I love the fellowship of the believers and not because I'm trying to earn points with God. Do you understand that? If I pay my tithes and give my first fruits and I give offerings, it's because I love God and I do it out of a heart that is full of gratitude because of what He did for me and not because I'm afraid He's going to punish me if I don't. You see, do you understand that? I don't have to do any of these things, but I want to. Why? Because I love God. Amen. And I love Him because He first loved me. What I want to stress here is when you know the true nature and the character of God, your motivation changes. You serve God out of love and not from a place of fear that He's going to punish you if you don't perform. The Bible says that it is the goodness of God that leads people to repentance and not the wrath of God. It's when people realize how good, how loving, how kind, how generous that God is that they turn from their idolatry to serve the living God. It is the love of God and the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. When the love of God came into my heart when I received Christ as my Savior and Lord, and, the, and that love and peace filled my heart, that is when I turned away from a life of sin. It was the love and the goodness of God that turned me towards God, not the wrath of God. So when we tell people that God loves them, and He loves them unconditionally, that He's no longer angry with them, because of what Jesus did on the cross for them, and that He's willing to do them good and bless them, people will naturally want to turn to God. This is what we should be doing, I believe, every day. Once you taste the goodness and the love and the grace of God, it's not difficult to share that and to witness to people, because you're sharing something you've experienced. You've experienced the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the peace of God. So naturally, you tell the God that you know. This is what we should be doing by word and action, by proclaiming the goodness of the Lord through Christ Jesus and letting people know how much God loves them, telling them that Almighty God is their friend and not their enemy. Amen. And He's willing to do them good if they would only turn to Him and believe Him and trust in Him. Amen. So, that's our lesson for today. Understanding the true nature of God and moving away from a legalistic mindset. In the beginning of my walk with Christ, I had this mentality 
that the more I prayed, the more points I would earn with God and the more blessing and the more favor I would earn. And if I missed one day reading my Bible, I felt so condemned and I felt so unworthy. Why? Because I missed one day of Bible reading. That's a legalistic mindset. And sometimes when people are under that yoke of condemnation, it because of the view and the perception they have of God. You see, God loves you. As Andrew Womack says, God loves you, stupid. <laughs> you know, he loves you. He loves you all the time. He's your friend. He's not angry with you. He's not waiting for you to trip so he can hit you over the head. When you fall, he comes by your side and he lifts you gently up and encourages you. And he whispers into your ear words of comfort and love and forgiveness. That's the kind of God we serve. His patience are unfathomable with you because he knows you. He knows you far more than you know yourself. And despite all your failures and weakness, he refuses to see those things because the Bible says that God's love covers a multitude of sins. So when God looks at you, he looks at your spirit, man, your born again, recreated spirit. He sees you through the blood of Christ and he declares you are righteous and holy in his sight. And he treats you that way. Just like you've never sinned. What a God we serve. What a gospel. What a gracious father. What a loving father. And that is what we need to be praying for. Lord, reveal to me your love. Give me your spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. I want to have a true knowledge of who you are. I want to know your nature, your character, your loving kindness. I want to experience your grace, your goodness in my life. And God will answer that prayer. Teach me. Show me who you are. Let me see you the way you are, not the way I imagine you to be, not the way the, 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 the world says you are. I want to see your goodness. And so it's very important that we receive that kind of revelation so that our faith can grow as our knowledge of him grows. And the more you grow in knowledge, the better you become at receiving the goodness and the blessing of God. Amen. So can we pray along those lines? You can bow with me and bow your head and say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know this love that passes all understanding. So let's ask the Lord to give us that revelation. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We bow before you in reverence and worship this afternoon, this morning, and we thank you for your precious word. We thank you for the gospel of Christ, the good news of the kingdom of God. And this is our prayer, Lord, that you would grant each and every one of us your spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, Father, 
that we may know you, that we may understand you in a deeper, in a broader way, according to your word, that we may know what is the hope that is attached to your calling upon our lives, what the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness toward us who believe. Fill us with the knowledge of your will, Father, by giving us wisdom and knowledge and understanding so that we may walk worthy of you, fully pleasing you and being fruitful in every good work. Thank you, Lord. Strengthen us by your spirit in our inner man so that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, that we may be rooted and grounded in the love of God, which passes all understanding. We thank you for that. Thank you for answering our prayer. Thank you for giving us knowledge and truth in regards to your nature, your character, your goodness, and your loving kindness in the person of Jesus. We ask and receive that. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.